0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Six Initiative Podcast, where two friends get the chance to interview different professionals from various industries to share their insights, experiences,
1: and stories. So, welcome everyone to the Six Initiative Podcast. Uh, I just wanted to record a little intro for this episode, just because it is our tenth episode that we've recorded, produced, and put out. So. We want to thank everyone for their support and it means so much to us that people are actually sitting and listening to the podcast and hopefully you guys are actually taking something away from it and be and are able to apply to your own businesses. So um, yeah, 10 episodes, it's kind of crazy. The fact that I've been able to do this 10 times with the help of the Six Initiative team as well as uh, Peter who's been co-hosting a lot of these podcasts with me. So yeah it's just crazy to think about uh and you know we're not slowing down either we have a lot more great content coming out that's kind of on the back burner and we're just going to continue to put out more interviews more podcasts we're meeting so many great people and learning more about their stories and it is such a blast to do especially amongst all that's going on in the world it just feels good to be putting out such great content um In this episode, we have Charlene and Vincent Lee from Eatables. Now, Eatables is a company that has basically been around ever since we started Six Initiative. Um, And what I mean by that, it's one of the first companies that we kind of got a chance to work with. They sponsored some of our events and have been great partners over the last two years. And it's so amazing to see the growth that their company has gone through over the last two years. And it feels kind of cool to say that six initiative has played a small part in that of course their hard work and their dedication to their craft is the main reason behind all their success um but it's just cool to be a part of a company that's thriving growing so well so um vince and charlene are such great people to talk to i had a lot of fun with this um this first part they're going to really cover more of their story and how they got started and then the second part that's coming out next week is a lot uh is is also very interesting because we kind of touch on how to do business with your significant other being your business partner because it creates this weird dynamic in a relationship when your business partners so they talk about how they deal with it and how they work together and I think they're great people to learn from because they've been doing it for a pretty decent amount of time. So you know Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe, leave us a review, rate it, whatever it might be on whatever platform you're using to listen to this to post on your Instagram, share it with someone who you think would learn or benefit from something like this. So again, 10 episodes, we're going to keep going strong. Thank you guys so much for your support and enjoy the episode. Awesome, how are you guys?
2: Not oh, bad, how are you?
1: Oh, hanging on there, Hold, holding yeah. on, holding on, hanging on. Yeah.
2: This is crazy, like who would have thought that this could be real life right now? Right? I, I mean, like nobody would have expected this would be <laughs> happening right now. It's to us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> how, how, has it, uh, how has it affected business so far?
2: Um, well, I think that we, we're like, I, I guess we're lucky in many senses be, being a new company. Like we still had a lot of room to pivot and we started out online selling too. So having launched Eatable as like an online company, we, it just kind of forced us to like get back to our roots. Um, we started off selling online and then people sort of naturally felt that with food, you know, you want to like sample it and taste it and feel the package and all that all that sort of tangible stuff that only comes from being in a retail setting. So naturally people were kind of like, Oh, where else can I find you guys? Like people still want to go to their grocery store to pick up food. So that's what sort of caused us to want to turn to retail channels. Um, But then after this happened, um, it kind of forced us to go back to e-commerce as the best way to kind of act, you know, deliver our product directly to the end customer. So I guess it's, it's, Just a different focus, yeah. 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 Not necessarily a bad thing. That's kind of how we started.
1: Yeah. How has the whole transition into, like, getting your factory and stuff and just, like, scaling? Actually, yeah. (laughs) Okay, Okay, no. I'm I'm getting ahead. How
0: did you guys start?
1: I'm actually getting ahead of myself because it's the stuff that I want (laughs) to know. But I guess for, like, for for our listeners, it would be a really good place to start in terms of, like, how Eatables kind of how Eatable started as a whole and where kind of the idea came from, because that's actually a really fun story. I, I guess I like you, uh,
2: you can
1: you jump in
2: where, where you see fit, jump but, yeah. um, okay. So with the, I, I guess like the entrepreneurship bug hit me first. Um, I was working as an accountant at one of the big four firms. Then I transitioned out to one of Canada's big banks. And I just kind of like had this weird moment where I was sitting in an office one day and I was like, oh, like, I can't imagine myself just playing with spreadsheets and doing this for the rest of my life. Like I had, it was almost like a, a small moment of anxiety for me, like a panic attack and something kind of clicked in that moment. And I was like, you know, I, I have to do something else. I have to just have a creative outlet somewhere. So for me, it started with um, just like graphic design. I, ha- I always kind of grew up doing that. And I... Basically, after our own wedding in 2011, we created um, a boutique design firm where I was making wedding invitations and stationery for other people. So that's kind of how it started. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So then that was kind of moonlighting for a while, like just doing that on the side and having my job. And it kind of got to a point where I felt like, you know, I'm being torn in too many different directions. But that kind of was the bug that hit me first. And then after I had a baby (laughs) and life got a little bit um, not sort of, you know, I I couldn't control exactly what I did and when I did, Um, I had to kind of take a step back and think, you know, it was hard to do custom work. Um, I went back to the corporate world, I guess, and I found a job working in Boston, back to my financial roots, uh, working for a real estate asset management mint company to kind of build up their financial processes and we were there for more than a year and that's when Vince uh, sort of found his calling in Boston. Um, I mean the two of us have always liked entertaining and food and just tinkering in the kitchen like all this time. Um, When we were in Boston he actually found his way to a commercial kitchen that ran an incubator program that taught us the kind of in and outs of running a food business from like the legal to sourcing to finance and um, operations and all that stuff. And it kind of started out for him as a passion project that ended up in a pitch competition. At the end of that pitch competition, uh, the popcorn that we've been making for parties for so many years, it ended up being uh, placing top two out of like 12 contestants um, in front of a panel of buyers and uh, food financing professionals and the flavor that he made first was actually our whiskey on the pops flavor which is a scotch whiskey infused caramel which happens to be the one that you guys experienced too um our original like og what we call it (laughs) but um that one was the one where we were like hey you know what like there might be some potential for this uh people actually kind of like it so what started off as a passion project ended up being like that, another light bulb um, at that time that sparked. And we were like, maybe we should do something with this. Maybe we should see like where this actually takes us. And for me, since I've already experienced working for myself for so long, I found it hard to keep working for someone else, to be honest. <laughs> so we literally decided to pick up again and move back from Boston to come back to, home to Toronto where we could be closer to our families and our support network and launched the business from here. And that's literally how Eatable was born. So from that point, we uh, found a commercial kitchen here, closer to where we lived. We, it was run by like these Paris-trained pastry chefs that, uh, you know, were trained at Cordon Bleu and everything. And they, we, like Vince worked alongside of them, just learning the art and the techniques behind traditional confectionery like uh, working with chocolate, working with candies and caramels. And that original recipe got refined over time. Mm. Um, And then we put the product in front of other chefs, sommeliers. It it was literally the pairing of our two loves. Like we've always wanted some snacking options that was clean using natural ingredients. And the two of us always liked a nice drink. So really, boom, the two of them together. Popcorn plus alcohol equals eatable. Um, <laughs> the perfect
1: combination.
2: <laughs> literally, like, because we were sick and tired of kind of just looking on store shelves and all the packaged snacks out there. A lot of them were just filled with artificial flavors and colors and ingredients that we would not give our kids, and um, not too much anyway. So that was a really important component of how we developed our product. We really wanted to stick with natural ingredients and um, just like good, wholesome, like real taste. Like we use real butter, like um, cane sugar, um, just natural ingredients. We try to locally source where possible um, just to showcase the best of what Toronto and our surrounding areas um, wine from Niagara. So... That's been a lot of, like, a very important part of our product development. And that's a year later, uh, a year later, we've launched online. We are in over 50 to 60 retailers across the uh, Canada nice. and the U.S. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. That's and amazing uh, for a year's
1: worth.
2: A year's yeah, worth. <laughs> what the heck? It was luxury. guys. <laughs> a luxury, Yeah, like before, uh, before the pandemic hit, we actually um, got stocked at Indigo, which rolled us out to eighty-seven other stores across Canada. Insane! Congratulations! Um, It's been a dream for us, I guess. Like I, I never expected that we would be at that level. I guess for now, but um, that's partially how we decided. Like we have to scale um, because working out of a commercial kitchen after a couple months, maybe uh it's tough it was it got to a point where the we couldn't keep up with the demand even online only um and we knew that in order to get distribution of our product uh, more of it like quicker faster out to a wider area we had to find some efficiencies in the way that we made things um because literally like jump in where you want vince because like the time that it took us to make a batch of popcorn from start to finish
0: was like... Yeah, Now it's like about 10 times faster, if anything, so... Wow.
2: How long did it take before? Like... From start to finish? Like a couple hours? Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah, probably a couple hours. Yeah.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. It's a huge difference. Exactly. So... (laughs) (laughs) It was really scary at the time because um, a lot of People, I guess, like, when you go into the food space, it's a very competitive landscape. It's owned by a lot of um, large companies with big pockets for advertising, Mm -hmm. for distribution. And um, that's what we learned, I guess, like, when we first came into this industry was it's not a very easy game to play. Um, But we had to basically, you know, scale up.
0: Uh, get machinery that was more specific to what we needed just so that it would make the process easier and you know yeah I think that's pretty much the
2: yeah a lot of people don't don't usually take that jump I guess so early on in the business because um, a large part of it is first you know validation and um, you don't make that kind of capital investment like that early on (laughs) so we were um we were like, you know, on the edge, we're like, lots of CPG companies kind of go through third party co-packers. And we were like, you know, is that the way that we really want to go? Because there's lots of companies out there that work with chocolate, um, a lot of companies that make popcorn and all these different flavors. But We knew that with our product, there was a very specific way we were doing things that was not um, very easily duplicated at any other sort of co-manufacturer. So we knew that the only way to kind of maintain the integrity of our product was to make it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vince, you know, luckily enough, coming from a real estate and technology background, um, we had something in mind when we were looking for a facility space. Um, But at the time, and even now, a lot it feels like a a, a very big jump and uh, because now you know now you're dealing with overhead so uh, but at the same time it was a very important point in our operations where you know now that we have the space we can start to service bigger customers and do more wholesale
0: and also do like more fun collaborative uh, uh, things with you know other other companies that kind of align with what you know we stand for
1: mm-hmm. so
0: you know other you know alcohol companies so we're able to kind of do custom collaborations with them right so it, we can do a lot of fun stuff whereas if we went down the route of where most people or most people in the cpg space go which is with a the co-packer then your options are a little bit more limited so
1: right That actually answers the question I was about to ask, (laughs) Um, but so I, I really find that interesting that you guys were at that point where you had to decide like, okay, do we, um, do we really bet on ourselves and invest further into um, our, our vision or do we want to take a more, um, I I guess you would say a safe approach uh, on the, on the other side. So, that decision-making process for uh, for an entrepreneur who is at a point where like they either have to decide if they need to scale and really invest or um, they need to cut back because they can't meet demand what how long did it take you to like um, make that decision like was there a lot of debate involved was there a lot of fighting or were you guys pretty much like on the on the uh, on the same page right from the get-go
2: our our weekly meetings <laughs> every Monday are like just bickering.
1: The fighting doesn't
0: stop. The doesn't stop. It
2: was it was actually a really, really, really hard decision for us. Um like I'm thinking back at that now and I, I think that it was like a really hard time for us like personally, like relationship wise, you know, like just you know, not seeing um, you know, huge momentum in the business yet at that point and then having to make that decision, like it caused a lot of friction, I guess, in many different ways. But um for us ultimately the answer to that question became like validation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that if I were if I were starting out and I wasn't sure yet like what the traction of our product would be, I, and I wasn't sure if I um you know, needed to tweak it or, like, improve it, and this would be, like, sort of, like, the final state of what we're doing, then I probably wouldn't have taken the leap at the time. I think, luckily enough, like, he had, sort of, like, the operation side, and the recipe creation was all him, and then I had, sort of, like, the financial side of it, so I, there was a lot of modeling involved. There was a lot of, like, if we... Uh, if we sold to like X number of stores and I estimated like a certain number of capacity, like per month or per quarter, you know, what would our numbers look like? Or like, what are, what would our costs look like? And until I kind of got to a point where like, okay, I think if the business ends up looking like this and I am able to hit a certain number of stores, like it would be okay. And we knew from talking to a lot of mentors in our space um, it was normal for businesses like ours to be in the negative for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, just coming from my background, a lot, of, a lot of the challenge of coming into this space, given that neither of us had that food background, was knowing like, what is actually normal so I think like that helps a lot in the decision making just when you're not sure because you have like a million decisions to make like when you're an entrepreneur it helps to talk to other people who are like a little further ahead in you in the same space Mm -hmm. to even know like what is considered normal so for us you know I knew that if we if we could survive for a year or two years like not necessarily being like cash positive yet. Like that's okay. Um, but you know, we're looking for those signs of constant improvement. Mm-hmm. So from month to month and, and what you're looking at is like your growth and your trend. And if that is, um, if that's, you know, you're good and you're trending up at a very quick pace, you know, that alone is, should be good validation. So, um, I think that was like what what kind of helped us ultimately decide to like take the leap.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh that's actually, I think that is one. It makes a lot of sense. Like it's very it's it was a very calculated move. Like it's not something you kind of just dove in, and you had taken all the steps to figure out if this is the right uh the right way to go. Um, how important was like that mentorship that you had? Um, and how important was it to find a mentor that could properly guide you in your, in your space?
0: I think it's, uh, like probably life or death, essentially to find good mentors. And I mean, luckily, luckily we found our, a lot of our mentors through indirectly through you guys who were recommending us over to Y space. And obviously, shameless plug for Y Space. <laughs> yeah, like we you know, we got had the chance to obviously be part of their food accelerator program, and that kind of um, gave us the knowledge and uh, gave us some comfort knowing some of the decisions that we made. You know whether they were right or wrong, or you know kind of giving us that ammunition to you know grow and, and you know move further along with with what we were we were doing. So I think it kind of set us up with. You know, people that, or other CPG companies that were that have already kind of, I guess, quote unquote, made it.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it kind of let us kind of interact with them and ask them some of the questions that we that we're pressing on our minds. Okay. And um, what else? Um, I don't know, yeah, I guess. So, yeah, I think yeah. it's
2: just really important to like get a sense of what like what's possible like you know based on like learning what other people have kind of been through like what were their challenges and again you know is the situation that we're in right now that's keeping us up at night like is that normal like that was my that was my kind of biggest unknown was like just even knowing that there were other people out there who felt the same way I did that was wondering the same things that we were wondering it just that alone like gave us more comfort and more confidence to move ahead Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people who are doing this on their own that maybe haven't tapped into that network of even just like fellow entrepreneurs, they don't even have to be in your space, but like doing it alone is actually really hard. I feel like the journey is already tough enough given, um, you know, the risk that you're taking, like the financial burdens and all of that, that it's really important to just find a group of people like six initiatives where it's, it's, A lot of people who are on the same path, like you're going through the same stuff, um, mentally, it keeps you sound. (laughs) And it gives you the motivation to keep going because you see other people succeeding and you want to be, you want to find your own version of success too. So like, I feel like just finding that group of people is key.
0: Yeah, I think Charlene touches on a great point. Um, Like, part I think a huge component of the entrepreneurship journey is more than just, You becoming an entrepreneur and having a successful business whatever that is it's actually part of like the biggest hurdle is actually the mental part and like the mental health like uh just i guess because it's so lonely like you know in all honesty it's a very lonely journey Uh, you need to really find that group of people that you can kind of either bounce ideas off of or even just you know, chat with them and see what struggles they're going through versus what struggles you're going through and kind of find people that are like minded and share the same passion that you do. So, yeah, I think it was a huge component of entrepreneurship more so than the business journey
1: itself. It's so interesting you guys bring that up because I would say, probably like maybe like three times a week, like I'll be on LinkedIn and, you know, I'm just like kind of browsing and then I'll see posts just like, Oh, I love my job. Like, I love this. I love that. And (laughs) I'm kind of just like, I'm like, man, should I just find like a corporate job and be, (laughs) and just like be comfortable and like, There are
2: so many times we wish that. Like there are so many times we question. We're like, what the heck do we just do with our lives? Like, we just like, (laughs) who does this? Like who does this with, we had a kid at the time. Now we have two, but like everyone was always telling us, like, I don't know how you guys do it. And there were so many times I thought I was crazy. Like, what did we just do? But, um, everyone has their own version of success. I'm sure there's people out there who love their jobs. Like they're so lucky because I never felt like that when I was at a corporate job. I mean, there's jobs that are good, but there's always good and bad, but everything, I think that as And this is what I told my mom all the time, because she was like, oh, you're getting, you're not eating, you're not sleeping. And I was like, honestly, even though this, what we're doing right now is so stressful and so scary, I've never been happier, Mm. happy, I guess, and as motivated Mm -hmm. in the corporate world. Um, And that is, like, I felt that was the big difference because I would wake up with an urge to do something that day.
1: Whereas,
2: compared to when I was in the corporate world, making a steady paycheck, it was just like, ah, oh. you know, like more of this Another yeah. long commute. Yeah. Another, yeah. Like, and I just, I felt like a different type of, I'm sure, you know, mental wellness also applies for people who are working in the corporate world that sometimes that might have to do with it. Maybe it's just the motivation that there's no like excitement that you're, striving for something yeah, the, the only
0: thing you look forward to is the weekend, but <laughs> like when you, I guess, run your own business, it's like, there so is there's no, no difference. Yeah, there's no difference. <laughs> you can choose when you want to take some time off, but then it kind of impacts everything else, I guess.
1: Right. No, yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock, like, having a full-time job. Like, I know it's... No, it has its great benefits. Especially right with things.
2: kids. Yeah. You need stability.
1: Yeah, and there are, there are so many... I know so many business owners that have successful businesses, but also like work a full-time job just for yeah. like the extra income, yeah. the benefits, yeah. the security, whatever it might be. But mm-hmm. I a hundred percent agree. It's um, there's something about entrepreneurship where yes, it is a lonely journey, but it's the um what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh. Um it's the uh the purpose that it gives you. Like mm-hmm. that you're you're filling something in the world that uh, ha- wasn't there before, and then now it's kind of your duty to to bring that to the world. That's kind of how I always see it.
2: Yeah, and and I mean, I we totally understand and relate to those people who are kind of taking a very you know slow transition to this. It, it's not like hey, you know, it's just jump in one day. Like it doesn't yeah. that kind of transformation doesn't happen overnight, and everybody has their own sort of like risk tolerance. So there's no like one right set way I feel like to do this for the longest time because we already had a child and he was um, like two and a half, three years old at the time. I almost felt like there were times when I felt like the fact that we were parents was a crutch and I was like, you know what, I wish I had 10 years of my life back where I could be single, I could like burn the midnight oil and do everything and just get this business off the ground like 10 times quicker. And I almost felt bitter about that for a while. Like it's, it was not like, you know, a very natural thing for me. Um, but then I went on this retreat last year with like these fellow moms that that own their own businesses. And um, one of the speakers at that conference said something to me that really, really struck home, which was something like the nature of um, responsibility breeds success. And that line, it, it really hit home for me because I was looking at my obligations at home and in my family as like a crutch, mm-hmm. but I should really have looked at it the other way around, which is motivation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So a lot of what, why we do what we do is because, you know, we're striving for that day where we can get our business to a certain, uh, a certain level where I can pick my own schedule now. Like I don't have to work nine to five. if I don't want to, that's not to say that there's not enough work to go around because there always is, but at least I can structure my life in a way that works for me. So especially with people like with families, you know, you might want to be able to go to your kids games after school and you want to be able to pick them up from school instead of have like a grandparent or a nanny do it or something like that. And like, that was something that we wanted so bad just to be present as our kids grew up that, um, you know, that was part of the motivation. The fact that I have mouths to feed actually makes it more motivating for me to not give up. So I just looked at it from like another perspective. And that's been like a game changer for us
1: yeah that's that's so powerful and like i know for for me uh, that's something that a mentor told me really early on is that like when you see a lot of these things that you can uh that you usually blame things on like it should be your reason why it shouldn't be the thing that holds you back um now it's very clear that like you guys are passionate about what you do the way you talk about it like like the way you every time you talk you sit more upright because of (laughs) like how excited you're getting about it. But I want to kind of jump a little back in your story. Uh, You mentioned that like this all kind of started almost as an accident. It wasn't, it wasn't something you dove into on purpose and uh, thought about um, very strategically. It kind of just happened. And I'm finding that with a lot of the business owners that we're talking to who are, uh, you know, they're doing pretty well for themselves um, and, two is that they love what they do it starts off as an accident which is like really kind of crazy um how can you just tell us more a little bit about that kind of that that period right before you started your business and you decided like hey like there's something here what was it were you like kind of similar to my last question like was it a lot of back and forth I think the dynamic of like your your relationship as business partners and also like as a couple is really interesting too because usually people get into this decision on their own they don't have to factor another person's voice into it right so I guess my question is like when you decided when you thought and noticed that there was something there with eatables um, what was that conversation like between the two of you? Um.
0: I mean, I've always liked tinkering in the kitchen, and it was just the product that we ended up making, which is what we make now. Essentially, is you know was meant to be brought to like you know people's houses and have it enjoyed at gatherings and parties. And it was almost like, yeah, it was like kind of like a joke, you know, because in some senses, because you know we love to drink, and I'm like, hey, why not? Why why not try to? spike you know the popcorn or whatever and you kick it up a notch with some extra
1: alcoholic flavor and, so and so people, the first the first batch was with actual alcohol i'm assuming like
0: it's just the you
1: know time
0: has has mellowed it out a bit and we figured out a way to kind of you know get rid of some of the alcohol so that you know people everyone can enjoy it even
2: kids even, kids. even, even though kids. we don't market it to kids
0: so. obviously but uh, <laughs> yeah was, i think yeah. people just enjoyed it i mean a lot of people like popcorn and popcorn is a great Uh, blank canvas for flavor it doesn't really have too much taste so it's great for coating with you know caramel with chocolate with anything really and you can make it sweet you can make it savory and that's kind of what we brought to parties and then people really liked them like and then one day it was just like Hey, like, know, maybe we maybe could sell, we this sell this stuff. Yeah.
1: Like we so. we we
2: did a lot of research and we were trying to see like what your competitors are because you know how they always tell you you should yeah. do a SWOT analysis and like <laughs> see what your competitors are doing, find your competitive advantage and all that. And we were like, it's not like such a new idea that no one ever in this whole world has done this before. But I think what we tried to do differently was essentially build our whole brand around these alcohol includes yeah. flavors because. It was taking the flavor profiles that people are out there were already liking and enjoying, but we were just like kicking it up a notch with this whole alcohol pairing and just taking it to another level. And we were just brainstorming flavors and we're like, there's so much we could do with this. There's so much that we still want to do. We're just getting started that like, I feel like we could build our whole brand around those types of offerings um and and honestly when we came out like I think like a lot of people thought this was like oh that's nice you guys like you're making popcorn you know (laughs) like um can you actually you know make a living out of this um and part of that motivation was just like you know what you're gonna find a way to do it like we're we're just gonna find a way to make a living out of this and we will prove you wrong (laughs) that is just like I don't know part of the weird motivation I feel like entrepreneurs are a little bit, like, a little bit, like, tunnel vision and that motivation of, like, yeah. stubborn, almost, like, competitive,
0: competitive, it's okay. kind of like Michael <laughs> Jordan in the last
1: time. <laughs> I was just about to say, <laughs> that. yeah, that, that documentary has, like, had me on my A-game in terms of, like, my work ethic these last few days, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, like, oh, God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so, who, who was the first person to say, like, hey, like, we should start a business with this. Like, was it Charlene? Was it Vince? Like, who said that first?
2: It was actually because oh. yeah. I was working oh. at the time, but I was coming home and I was eating all this like delicious popcorn. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, it was just like I he started that and he and I and I thought it was like so amazing that he had the opportunity to kind of really explore his, his passion. Um and then, you know, just finding that that uh, incubator program, which helped us kind of set some roots with it, was, I don't think it happened, like, in one conversation,
0: really. Yeah, it no, was, like, yeah.
2: I think it back again, back to the validation. It was, like, I found that. I thought of it more of, like, a passion project yep. at first. Like, I didn't think he was doing this as a business. Then it wasn't until, like, the pitch competition and the really awesome response that we got from people on that product that made us actually really think about it, and then put some pen to paper and see like what could even happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I I didn't know it was a, a Vince idea first. I always thought it was it was Charlene first, actually.
2: <laughs> I think we like we complement each other in terms of mm. our skill sets, like in this business he's been everything having to do with like the the product itself like how to make the product how to make how to make it shelf stable um that was him the the flavors we both brainstorm because I I do what I do best which is eat it (laughs) And and then um you know just like and also, I did better than him in our wine tasting class, where we where, 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 My palate is better, actually. <laughs> but, um, so I mean, that, that part is like the fun part. But in terms of the actual, like, you know, meat of it, the product itself has been him. And um, mm-hmm. I do like the marketing side and the finance side. So I feel like because of the where we both came from in our corporate experience and our backgrounds, like... It works because we kind of fill in each other's gaps.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I know a lot of people who would be like, I'd never be able to work with my spouse. Or yeah. maybe like the are doing the same thing. So there'd probably be like even more headbutting than yeah. there would be with us.
0: That's what this pandemic is about. <laughs> <laughs> about it's a test. Get <laughs> along with your spouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of for us to work.
1: That it's actually, I think that's a really good point, like, like, amongst six initiative alone, like, I yeah, like, there are two couples, like, in our kind of, like, organization. Yeah, that's right.
2: You guys um, know how to push each other's buttons. You're friends, yeah. like, you know how to push each other's buttons. You know what annoys each other, like, you know each other's tendencies. Our meetings are, like, we take it personal, for sure. <laughs> like, everything is <laughs> personal, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: Thanks for tuning into the Six Initiative podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a comment and review and follow us on Instagram at Six Initiative to keep up to date with our current projects. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from or any specific field you want to hear about, send us an email or a DM or a comment and we'll do our best we can to make it happen. If you know anyone who would benefit from this, please don't hesitate to share. Thanks again for listening and we hope you have a great rest of your day.